0: Well, it is uh, great to uh, get to gather with you this morning. If we haven't met, my name's Dean, part of the team here at True North, and uh, just so glad to have you here. We are in this series called Rhythm and Flow, and really reflecting on and thinking about uh, the direction, the current, our lives, will take looking out ahead over kind of a, a whole new year of life, wanting to begin this year, thinking about where do we want to finish this year? What do you want to see happen in your life? So that it doesn't just get caught up uh, in a current and, and land you somewhere that wasn't really the fullness of what you were hoping and expecting for this year. So the the kind of idea with this series as well, if you've been here, is to say, you know what, if you want to move somewhere in life, if you want to go in a given direction, if you want to especially move somewhere new or different than where you you have been it always begins with a vision finding a new rhythm for your life always starts with vision and saying what do I want for my life you know kind of our 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 simple way we've looked at this is going you know what we we here at true north we want to be people who love God more than anything else and then who love others and and that plays out differently in all our lives but that's what we're after and if we want to be people who love God with all our heart with all our soul and everything in us Uh, We know we're going to need to have habits that support that. Habits and uh, the things that we do kind of uh, without even having to think about them. And so our habits are going to play a huge role in forming the people that we become. And the more we live into those habits, the more we find we're living into a certain rhythm. And when you get into a certain certain rhythm, that's when things kind of get easier, moving in a direction. And you experience just this current and flow where you're like, you know what? I'm actually moving towards where I wanted to go to begin with. So we're going to be talking today, uh, we're going to be looking at habits and we're going to be looking at a particular part of habits and how you establish habits and we're going to be looking especially at the whole idea today of hunger. I want you to say real loud and like from your gut for me this word, hunger. Hunger. Now you didn't say it like hungry people. I want you to say "Hunger." hunger. Now that had a little bit more hunger to it. Now we're going to be looking at one of the keys to forming new habits. You may have been through this series and thinking, you know what, I do want some new habits, some new routines, some new rhythms to my life. One of the things that's important in those habits is the role of hunger. Now, there's a really interesting habit that probably most of us in this room uh, have this as a habit in our lives. We may not even think about it. Most of us this morning, probably before we came, brushed our teeth. Now, turn to the person next to you and say, I hope that's your habit. Oh man, turn to the other person. Now this is also kind of like a little check in on their habit. you be like, mm, "I'm not saying that. Mm, no, my you know, here's the thing about brushing your teeth. This is a habit. You know it's a habit because most of the time you don't even think about it. Like for most of us in this room who are over the age of 12, uh, we didn't kind of get up and go, like, is today the day I'm going to brush my teeth? Like, what day is it? It's Sunday? No, 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 that's a Tuesday thing, you know. Like most of us didn't kind of get up and like, I wonder if I should or maybe, no, really, no. And we didn't have to talk ourselves into it either. Like, no, you should. Come on, let's do this. Let's brush our teeth. It was just a habit. And if it wasn't, please take everything I say today and apply it to beginning the habit of brushing your teeth uh, every day and everyone, just kidding. Um, but uh, it, it's just, that's the nature of a habit. You don't actually have to think about it. Now, the funny thing is, this wasn't always a habit. You know, man, it's go, well, of course, that's habit. You know, in the early 1900s, uh, Charles Dug tells this story in his book, The Power of Habit, this great story. Early 1900s uh, in the United States, less than about 7% of all the houses in the whole country had toothpaste in them. Now, tooth decay was actually such an issue that the military had to declare it as something of almost a national emergency because it was just that was how rampant kind of the problem was. Now, toothpaste manufacturers were starting to try and advertise various toothpaste and nobody was getting any kind of traction on this thing because fundamentally it just wasn't something people did. And so there was a guy, though, his name was Claude Hopkins, and he he had kind of discovered this idea of habits. And he realized, and and he was one of the first kind of marketers, if you will, back in the early 1900s, to use this kind of thinking. It's still implemented today, but he realized this. Every habit has three parts. A habit always has a cue a routine and a reward. So when you're thinking about habits in your life, every habit you have, the things you do habitually without thinking, the things that you no longer have to have like a deliberate conversation with yourself about, they have a cue, a routine and a reward. And so a cue is that thing that kind of tips you off that it's time to do whatever it is that you normally do. The routine is whatever that kind of little routine for that moment is, and the reward it can vary from different habits. So, for example, we'll take it out of teeth brushing. Imagine this routine for a moment. Um, one of the things that's kind of well-documented is that uh, a familiar habit with almost uh, the majority of the population of smartphones now is kind of checking your smartphones. People who uh, have social media feeds, it's also a frequent thing to check your social media feed on a smartphone throughout the day. Here's the thing. Just seeing a phone is a cue to your brain that there might be some new information in there. And so as soon as you see a phone, that's like the cue. So if you have your phone out next to you while you're working and you're like, why do I keep checking this thing? Because every time your eye sees that phone, your brain knows there could be new information in here, which it likes. And so you're like, oh, phone, oh, let me just check. Let me see if anybody messaged. I haven't checked it in like five minutes. Maybe somebody messaged me, you know? So that phone is your cue. The routine is open it up, check in your favorite social media feed. And maybe you opened it up and somebody posted a picture of their breakfast. And you're like, oh, look, that's great. They had this awesome breakfast. And now you get this little reward of like, boom, I saw something new. Or maybe you put a photo of your own breakfast and somebody liked it. And you're like, that's awesome. People like my breakfast photo, you know. So you're so happy and you, know, you realize it. And so your brain's going, here's a little dopamine for you. Great job. Now that's why. Checking a phone is such a difficult habit to break. It's an easy cue, simple routine, and the reward is consistent for what it, it just always kind of comes. Now, this guy, Claude Hopkins, when it came to brushing your teeth, nobody kind of brushes their teeth, you know? So he's like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We need to find a cue. He's like, people don't brush their teeth because they don't have something that tips them off and says, here's wh- when and how you should brush teeth. So he started these advertisements saying, you need to, run your your tongue across your teeth or feel your teeth and you'll feel a little film there and he's like that little film that's there even though this is kind of naturally occurring for all people he's like that film is why your teeth are dull and they're decaying and so you need to get toothpaste brush them and then you have a beautiful smile and a beautiful life and all your dreams will come true you know something more or less that's the answer to all advertising right so Anyway, he starts advertising this, and people start buying it, and it's that simple. Oh, my teeth feel a little dirty. No, nope, routine, I brush my teeth. Ah, my, my mouth feels good and clean, now I'm gonna be beautiful, this is great, move on. Now here's the thing, other people were advertising the very same way, the very same ideas at the time. But Pepsodent took off, which was his brand of toothpaste, went crazy within, you know, kind of, I think it, maybe within a, a decade it's being sold in multiple countries, it all of a sudden went just ballistic, went viral. And his competitors tried to figure out, what has he done? What's he get that we don't get? What does he know that we don't know? And they broke down the formula for PepsIN and they realized this. He had some things in his toothpaste no one else had. First, he put cocaine in it. No, just kidding. There was no <laughs> cocaine. That's a joke. Pepsi is still on the market. Best of my knowledge is no. Anyway, just kidding. What it did have... It had citric acid in it, some mint oil, and a few other chemicals that all produced something no other toothpaste had till that point, that minty, fresh feeling. Who knows that kind of minty, fresh feeling after you brush your teeth, huh? It's good, right? I'm a little alarmed by the lack of, like, uh, experiential sort of sense of knowledge of brushing your teeth, but that's all right. Maybe we'll go in a different direction today. But what they realized is his toothpaste had this thing that it's like what people began to crave was that minty, fresh feeling. And what the author of the book points out is they discovered something that our habits, what powers our habits, what really gets them moving is our hungers. It's what they call craving. And so one of the reasons that we brush our teeth even now, one of the things that, you know, all toothpaste put in, the mint and the, and the types of acids and things give you this feeling, even though it actually does nothing to give you a cleaner mouth, but they know we want it, we crave that feeling. We want it to feel clean, feel a certain way. Once you crave it, you begin to move towards it. And this is how human nature works, that we have hungers that draw us towards particular directions, actions, habits, and rhythms in life. And our hungers are often what is absolutely key or critical in whether we move in one direction or another. And one of the things I know through this, if you've been tracking with us in Rhythm and Flow, and you might be going, yes, I do. I want this year to be a little bit different. Yes, I want to move in this direction. Yes, I want to be a person who loves God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. I want that to just be kind of how I am. I want to have, one of the greatest challenges that we have to address that we often don't address, we don't even realize it's a thing, is our hungers. Our hungers are what are often driving our actions. I want to read you something from Isaiah chapter 55. This is God speaking to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And they were kind of wandering from him at this point in their history. They'd begun no longer kind of pursuing God as, as the first thing in their life and, and life with God that, was no, that had moved from its place of importance and value. And the people were moving in different directions and God is inviting them to come back. And he says to them, why Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages, for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me, this is God speaking, listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live. Now, I love this passage because it is speaking to what is very much at the core of our human hearts. And God is saying to these people, He's like, listen, you are spending your money, your labor, you're spending your life on things that cannot satisfy you. He was saying to him, it's like, you're buying, he says, bread. Why you spend your money on bread? It can't, it's not really bread. It looks good. It feels good on the top, but it's not. He's going, it doesn't have sustenance. And he's trying to say to him, there's things you're spending your life on that look good or maybe taste good going down, but they cannot satisfy you. And God says, listen, you want your soul to be well? You want to experience real satisfaction? He says, you got to come to me you got to listen to me. If you would come to me, God says, then your soul will live. It will be well with you. Does it resonate with, with you at all, this experience of spending your time, your energy, the great pursuits of your life on things that don't always satisfy? I think one of the things we... Have to wrestle with is we we live in a world that wants to draw our hunger in lots of different directions but god would say to us you if you want to be full in your soul you want to be well you've got to come to me you know i love this question why do you spend money for what is not bread i feel like you know when i move this into kind of the out of the the kind of spiritual sense in which it's speaking into the physical sense i really resonate with this i resonate with it in part because i feel like it's what my wife asks me whenever i come back from the shops She's kind of banned me from going to the grocery store by myself because she's like, I asked you to go get bread and eggs, and you came back with Cadbury eggs. That was, I'm like, you know, I, I'm sorry it was that not what you had in mind. You know, I, I just, she's just kind of, and here's the thing because it's like. What happens in the physical world and what we experience, what we know to be true is sometimes it's like, look, I know I wanted to get this. I know this was what was going to be really good for me. But, boy, that looks really good and we can't help and our, our hungers take us in a different direction. You know, God says, look, don't. There's all these things that you spend. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in the. And, and here's the thing. Here's what I want us to understand. Human beings are hungry beings. God has made us with hungers and with appetites. You read the Bible from front to back, and so much of it you'll see it kind of starts in this garden with a lot of conversation about what you can eat and not eat, and it finishes with a banquet feast in the kingdom of God. This is the story of the scriptures. We are created as hungry beings. We hunger for foods. We hunger for success. We hunger for relationship. There are all kinds of appetites, but what this is going to tell us is that If you allow any appetite other than the hunger for God to become the defining hunger of your life, it will not satisfy. That only when your hunger, the driving hunger of your life is for God do all these other hungers find their place. Now, Jim Carrey is a guy who experienced incredible success. You know, you talk about the hunger for success. He, you know, made a bunch of critically acclaimed films deep and powerful messages ace ventura one and two and you know the ma- all these anyway they're they're older and you know but um he made all these movies and he did end up making some others that had a little more to him anyway but successful as you could get hollywood you know a-lister all these things but I love one of his, his famous quotes when he reflected back over this time in his life because what he found was that all that hunger for success, it didn't deliver. He has this great quote. He says, you know, I, I think everyone, he says, this is Jim Carrey. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous, do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. And I love that little snapshot because most of us have not achieved everything we've ever dreamed of. And what can happen then is we can still live, not even realize it, under the illusion that if we just achieved this, got to the next ladder of whatever ladder we feel like we're climbing, we think success would be just over there. And you have somebody who goes, look, I did it. I, I achieved everything I could have ever dreamed of. And I just want you to know it's not the answer. You know, it, this is what God would say to us. Hunger and th- why do you spread your bread? Now, so here's the thing. Uh, what, what this means for us, if we can start to tap into this and go, okay, look, we are hungry. We need to really reconcile this reality that what drives us, the directions of our life, they get pulled in the direction of our hunger. Then the real question is how do we get our hungers to begin to work for us? Proverbs 16, 26, I love this verse. It says that, you know, the, the appetite of a worker works for him, for his hunger urges him on. The appetite of a worker works for him, for his hunger urges him on. I love this little picture because it's talking about someone who works and who labors. And, but it's going, you know what, when you're hungry, you work harder because, you know, you're trying to move towards something. You're trying to move towards, God better keep working because I don't want to eat. My hunger is driving me. But it's trying to tell us something deeper as well about human nature, that what you want in life is your hunger is working for you. And one of the, the reasons we sometimes don't experience everything we dreamed of, of kind of moving towards is because our hungers are working against us. It's easy to have a vision, I want to know God over here, but my hungers are working against me and they're pulling me over here. And the, the key to kind of starting to experience this full life that God talks about is to get your hunger working for you. You know, wouldn't you like to, I don't know if you ever felt, like, here's what I wish for my life. I wish I could crave kale, you know. I mean, you ever had kale? Imagine craving kale where you just were like, it's been a stressful day, a big day, working hard. ain't nothing more I want to do than just go into the cupboard and pull me out a bag of kale, you know. Imagine you just craved it. But we we don't crave kale, do we? And if you do, I want to talk to you. (laughs) And I want to know your secret. To be honest, I think I know one person in my life I've met who I think would maybe say, and I'm not sure, I might ask them, that they crave kale because they eat this one whole way. And so then it's like, I'm sure. I heard at one point I was trying to eat kale. And if I just put some olive oil on it and put it in the oven, it would come out and be the tastiest thing I ever had. Nope, no, thank you. Smith, salt and vinegar, let's, uh, let's go that way. No. Now, why is this such a challenge? Do you, do you realize this? One of the greatest challenges of life is to shift your hungers. Because, and, and, and here's what I just want, I want every person here to, to just kind of get this today. This is what I think God would want us to hear. It's what I think He'd want us to, what He's trying to say to us out of the book of Isaiah. What he what he's trying to say, look, why you're spending your hunger. You're hungry. You're hungry. We are hungry people, but our hungers get they get gobbled up by a bunch of rubbish, by a bunch of junk food that can't satisfy. And it's like this world presents no shortage of pleasures that we can experience. From a bag of potato chips to being able to veg out in front of an endless streaming of movies or TV show. To going out and just having a great time with friends. There's no shortage of, of things for us to spend our hungers on. But God would say to us, come to me. Hunger for me. Jesus puts it this way. He said, blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what he was saying is, you will be blessed. It will be well with your soul. It will go well with your life when you hunger and thirst. Think how kind of visceral that language is. Not when you learn a couple nice things, but when you hunger and thirst in the direction of righteousness, the things of God's kingdom. Oh, man, that will satisfy you. You will be filled. You will be blessed. And so the great challenge that I want to encourage you to wrestle with is what do you hunger for? In what direction do the cravings of your soul pull you? In what direction do just the physical cravings of your life take you? Because if you want to move in a new direction and you want to be a person who goes, "I, I hunger and thirst for the things of God's kingdom. I hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let me tell you something. That is the hunger. That is the only hunger that will satisfy And when you hunger and thirst for those things, then every other hunger finds its right place in your life. Not bad to hunger for success. God made us to do things. But when success becomes a driving hunger, it will never satisfy. But when we hunger and thirst for the things of God's kingdom, that's when it goes well with our soul. And so here's our our predicament that we experience. How do we change our hungers? What if you could crave kale? What if you could? Get your hungers working for you instead of against you. I think that's the question this words in Proverbs would say to us. Get your appetite working for you, not against you. You know, through this series, Rhythm and Flow, we've been looking at this reality. If we're going to experience the life God wants, we've got to learn to walk in step in rhythm with Jesus. And if we want to shift our hungers, here's the thing is we, our hungers will be shaped by our habits over time. If you are a person here today who goes, I want, I want to crave the things of God. I don't want to have to have an argument with myself going, is today the day that I brush my teeth or not? I, don't want, I want to just be a person who wakes up craving the things of God. That takes certain habits and patterns and rhythms of life multiplied over a long period of time. You know, if you want to develop a hunger for God, one of the things you'll have to do, we've been looking at through this series, is just look at the nature of the habits of your life. Look over one day, what does it look like? Look over one week. Look over a month. Look over a year. What are the things that you find yourself doing and engaging with? And Say, what kind of habits do I want to define my life? And then know this, that hunger doesn't change overnight. Hunger doesn't just instantly, well, that's it, I ate kale one day and then I never wanted. It. You know, it doesn't. You've got to live in a direction over a period of time, but at some point your hungers begin to shift in a new direction. Wouldn't you like that? Who would like that? You got to start with at least wanting it. You know, I, I, I and here's. I want to give you two things to consider, two habits that I think are incredibly important. If you've not found a way or brought these into your life, two habits that multiplied by time will begin to bring a shift in your hungers. And here's the the first one, and and, and so some of you will have this maybe a habit already. Uh, for some of you, maybe it's more like a sporadic and occasionally this happens. But to have a space daily where you meet with God, where you meet with God. And my encouragement is to do it in the morning, though I know that doesn't always work. I have people tell me I already have to leave for work at four. Do I get up at three or what? And you know, I'm, but, but I, I would just tell you this and this thing's simple. And you're like, man, this seems like, isn't that a, a, the base, this I'm, I think it would be amazing if we looked at how difficult it can be to build this habit into life at times, to have a space where you meet with God in the morning. Begin to think now, what happens first thing in your morning? What's the first thing you do? I remember about 10 years ago, I got, I think it was my first uh, smartphone. It was an iPhone 3G. It's, uh, it was, you know, uh, you look at it now and it looks like it's a relic from the Stone Age but at the time it was cutting edge. I got that thing, I didn't even know what to do with it. And I can remember the, uh, one of the other things that came out about that time was uh, an app called Twitter. And I liked, and Twitter, like I'm not a big social media guy but I really enjoyed Twitter because on Twitter you could, I heard one this once, you know, Facebook's for all the friends you actually have and Twitter's for all the friends you wish you had. And so I found like on Twitter, I could be friends with MC Hammer, like that was an amazing thing. You know, I was friends with, uh, there's like all these things. But anyway, what I found shifted in my life was that in the mornings I would find myself wanting uh, just to read on Twitter. And part of the reason our brains kind of start to crave those things, our brains often like new things, like novel things. And I'd be like, I wonder what's new. And so I'd start checking Twitter. And what I realized was that that had become a new habit in my life that one of the first things I was doing was actually checking Twitter before I even took time to meet with God. And I decided uh, at that time, I just made myself a small rule. And I said, no matter what, the first thing I ever read in the morning will be something from God's word. I won't read a text message that's popped up on there. I won't check Twitter first. You know what? Even if I just read one verse, that's fine. And then, but it just created a habit within me to go, no matter what, the first thing I ever take into my mind in the morning will be from God's word. Now, the thing about that is, you know, over years and time, at first, I sometimes had to force myself. I remember going like, man, I really would just rather read Twitter right now. You know, and, and I'd really just like to check the news. That seems so cool and interesting. And it was brand new at the time and all this stuff. But I I decided, no, no matter what. And this is the thing. Eventually now, I mean, 10 years, I never, I never kind of wrestle with, oh, should I check Twitter right now? I don't even check Twitter later either, but... But I find this, there's always a craving that actually comes for me that goes, man, I need something from God's word. Now my hunger's working for me. Now I'm not having to fight my way to it. But it doesn't happen overnight. You know, I can remember first cultivating. Here's, some, here's Here's what I mean by having a space you meet with God. You know, sometimes we can call it quiet time. I've heard people call that. Raise your hand if you've ever heard it called quiet time. Like, it's just... Really, kind of a weird phrase, and I can't call it quiet time because that feels like I got in time out, you know, like I'm in in kindergarten. It's like you need some quiet time, you know, and and I get it. We're all trying to find words that work for it. Sometimes it's called devotions, it's another, you know, a a, a phrase that I kind of grew up with and heard you need to have devotions. But the thing about devotions is sometimes, like, it's all about you and how devoted you are. And the the language that I love most these days is I just want space where I can meet with God. You know, Moses, we're told, you just go to the tent of meeting. It was a place where it says God spoke to him like face-to-face, like a, a friend speaks to a friend. I want this space where my morning begins that I meet with God. And I know that if I meet with him, then I know that begins to shape who I am. Moses, when he would leave the tent of meeting, it said his face would glow so much he had to cover it up. Moses was very unique in how this worked, but I do know what is true of me is that I know when I meet with God, when I cultivate that space, I do not go away unaffected by the experience. Now, here's the thing, and I'm not saying, you know what, and like, yep, every day I have an experience with God where my face glows afterward, you know, and I'm not saying that happens, but I create space, and it's a habit, and it's to the point it's hunger, and it gets to a point where, yeah, sometimes, some days are weird, and maybe my routine gets a little thrown off, but the reality is if my routine gets thrown off a day or two, I'm just craving that space. Wouldn't you love to crave that space to meet with God? What doesn't happen overnight? And it starts with small things. Sometimes it starts with just saying, no matter what, I'm going to start with just one verse a day. If you don't have a habit or a routine or a craving to read God's word, start with one verse a day. Don't start with one. I'm going to read through the whole Bible this year. I never read the Bible at all, but this year I'm going to read the whole thing. (laughs) That's not actually a, a recipe for success, but you do have to start to find a habit you can cultivate. And habits have a way of becoming hungers. And hungers start to pull us in the direction we wanted to go all along. If you don't have a space in your life where you meet with God, create that space. Figure out when and where. You're more likely to do anything if you just decide when and where you'll do it. Years ago, when I first started cultivating that space, Remember, living in this apartment in New York, and it and wasn't something I'd ever done before, but I was cultivating it every day. So I started off by, I'm going to make coffee, and I'm going to sit and have coffee with God and read his word, and I'm going to journal and do this. And all those things felt weird and foreign to me and all these things. But at the very least, I knew I'm going to have coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That, those things helped me to begin a habit, and the habit became a hunger. And then the hunger starts working for you. And I think one of the biggest challenges for many of us in this room is we want to know God, but we've cultivated habits and hunger to take us in a whole bunch of other directions. So we're always fighting our hungers when you've got to get your appetite working for you. You know, the second thing I'm going to encourage you to consider... And, and if you've not been coming on Wednesday nights, we're continuing to unpack this. We're going to continue to unpack it, our four-week focus, the practicalities of all these things. But the other habit that you can cultivate in your life, if you've never cultivated a rhythm of fasting in your life. You know, fasting, if you look through the scriptures, it is part and parcel of the journey of faith of all the heroes of the faith, of Jesus' life. It is just taken as this is one of the greatest ways to cultivate a hunger for God is to take a break from the other things you hunger from. And one of the best things you could do this year, if you really want to get into a different rhythm, if you really want to get into a different flow, is to work out what would a habit, what would a routine, what would a rhythm of fasting look like in your life? You know, and again, it's not going to be smart to be like, yes, I've never fasted before. I'm going to do that Jesus 40 days in the wilderness thing. You know, like <laughs> that may set you up for failure. That's not where to begin. But what might it look like to go, you know what, one day a week. uh, Maybe one of the things, you find yourself hungering for technology and craving technology. I'm going to fast from that one day every week. And every time I reach for that phone, I'm going to go, God, more than I want to reach for this phone, I want to reach for you. And I'm going to cultivate that hunger for God. You know, maybe it's going, I'm going to choose one meal a week. Every week there's going to be one meal that I'm going to choose. And I'm going to just fast from it. And that space where I would have eaten, I'm going to feel the pain and the hunger. And I'm going to say, God, even this much, I want to hunger more for you. Much as I want that, I want more of you, even more than that. I had a friend tell me years and years ago, he said, a great rhythm. He goes, you know, fast one meal a week, one day a month, and two days a year. And there was lots of years I just lived by that rhythm, and it cultivated a hunger in me. And it helped shift an appetite in my life for the things, God. Now, here's, here's my, my bottom line for you. Here's my thing I just hope you take away. We will never... Start moving closer to the things God has for us if we do not cultivate a hunger for God. And I think the nature of the age we live in, we have never had more junk food to fill ourselves up on, so to speak, than the era we live in now. And the fight for our soul is the fight to cultivate a hunger for God. To hunger and thirst. Think about those words. To hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness. It's hunger and thirst for the living God. Jesus, I'm the bread of life. You come to me, you'll never go hungry. God crying out to his people like, why do you spend your bread, money on bread? It doesn't satisfy. Come to me. Give ear to me. And your soul will live. This invitation, it goes out to every one of us. The great God of the universe. Saying, come. Hunger for me. Draw near to me. Yeah, I'm gonna invite the team to come back out. And we're gonna sing through one more time this song, come to the altar. And as we sing it, I wanna encourage you. You know, hunger, here's the thing about hunger. Like, you can't you can't teach hunger. Like, I can't, hey, be hungry. I can't, like, as much as I could wish till the you know, cows come home that you felt hungry for God. I can't tell you how to do it. Hunger is something we gotta kind of choose for ourselves, no, this is the direction I will begin to move. And I think a hunger for God, it always begins. It always begins at the very least. It's like this this sense of going, no, you know what, God, I may not know this. I don't even get everything Dean talked about today or whatever, but I know this. I want to hunger for you. God, I'm gonna start taking steps that direction. I'm gonna come on Wednesday night and I'm gonna actually start to make some plans in my life and work out how am I gonna build some new habits, some new hunger, some new routines. I want a new rhythm. I want a, I want a different flow. I wanna get in the flow of what God's doing. And I wanna encourage you this morning to really make that your prayer. In fact, why don't you stand up and here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do. As we sing this song through, If you know that you want that hunger in your heart, something really simple you can do today during this song. You don't got to tell me about it. You don't have to tell anybody about it, but I want you to declare it to God. And if you know, I just know I want more hunger for God. I love this song, come to the altar. Like here it is. God's invitation goes out to all of us. Like who wants to come? Here's God speaking to his people. Just come to me. A real simple thing you can do if you want to say, you know what, God, I know this. I know my hungers, they get torn in a lot of directions, but I want to hunger for you. I want to thirst for you. Then you can just come forward, come to the front here. And I encourage you just to make that a prayer. And here's how I'd encourage you to pray. it: if you want to make that your prayer, just kneel in front of the stage and you just declare it to God in the quiet of your own, God, I want to hunger for more of you. And I'm going to pray in a moment that he'll meet you there. And he'll begin to stir that hunger in your heart. If you want someone to pray with you or for you, then you can come forward as well and just stand. And someone, one of our prayer teams, pastors will come and they'll just pray for you and they're gonna pray for that hunger in your life. But let's not leave today without at least going, God, I want that. Sometimes you gotta start with, even I know I don't want it yet, but I want to want that. Let's be a people who cry out to him. So during this song, can I encourage you, don't stay passive. Don't let the other kind of competing what ifs or who's looking or this or that. Let any of that crowd out. But make the cry of your heart, God, I hunger for you. Take action. Take a step. Kneel before him. Have someone pray for you if you want that. Would you bow with me? Lord, I pray today that as each one of us stands here, that God, your spirit might work in hearts and lives. Lord, I pray for every person who is gonna come and say, God, I want more of you in my life. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd meet them and you would implant hunger. You would breathe into them hunger and thirst for the things of your kingdom. That God, you'd begin to cultivate and stir up. you begin to pull out some of the other hungers that are crowding the space and you'd just begin to unleash hunger in them. Hunger for God. Hunger for the things of your kingdom. And you'd begin that work of bringing the right people and the right places and spaces and everything that needs to come around them to help them move in that direction. But that God, you'd begin a, a work of cultivating hunger today. I pray for our church, God. I pray as a community of people, we would be hungry for you thirsty for you, be evident to all there is a hunger within the presence of God. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Meet with us even now.